welcome to the FE Research Podcast, a podcast that aims to showcase the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. Because of COVID, we weren't having any lessons. So um, our teaching was involving going up to prison cell doors and knocking on the door, looking through a little window and posting a workbook through, or they'd post one out, we'd go and mark it and bring it back. So those kind of conversations that you really need to do face-to-face were, were much more challenging. Hello and welcome to FE Research Podcast. My name is Jo Fletcher-Saxon and unusually this time my partner in crime, Alistair Smith, is not here with me. But what we do have is um, a guest tonight from uh, the prison education system. So that's new for the podcast, so it's fantastic. Uh, So welcome Esther Kelly. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Right. Okay. so let's get cracking. Um, So you are a teacher of English in East Sol at HMP Liverpool. And we're here to talk about your OTLA um, project, which is Outstanding Teaching, Learning and Assessment. I have to say that mm-hmm. every time, because you never know, people you know, might not have heard of it. Um, and your, your project by the end of it was called, Do They Want to Learn What We Are Teaching? Learner Feedback in Prison Education. So tell us all about it then. How, how, I'm really interested in how you kind of came across OTLA at the beginning and how that, that journey first started and how you thought, well, yeah, actually, I want to do a bit of research. How did that happen? Yeah, it was kind of a little couple, a few months into to lockdown. I think it was around sort of June time. Um, I just got um, an email from work um, that came through just saying opportunity alert and just explained it all. So um, just that they were asking for ideas for, for research so you could apply with your idea of what you wanted to do. Um, and I'd always wanted to do research, something that's always really interested me. So I put my application in and got accepted. Mm. How did you find that process then of applying? Just as if anyone's listening now and thinking, you know, should I go for this kind of project? How did you find the process? Um, it was good in the way that it was really structured. So they tell you exactly what you need to put in. Um, it's really detailed guidelines. So as long as you follow those you can't really go wrong. And as long as your idea is strong enough and it fits all the criteria, then, then you'll be accepted. I mean, I think they are looking for certain things and if your project will reach a more diverse range of learners or mm. learners who are having difficulty accessing education, um, that helps. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can go through all those details, it was quite straightforward to apply, even though it takes a bit of time to get all the details down. Okay. And you, and you said before that you, you kind of, you wanted, you had that sort of uh, curiosity, you wanted to do some research. So have you done other things before any, you know, since training to teach, have you done other kinds of projects or research? No, it was my very first research project. So it was quite interesting to come um, from, from the angle of a, a novice researcher. Yeah. Um, but it's something I'd always wanted to do. It's, I think it's really important to know that what we're doing is working because we've got some sort of evidence behind it rather than it's just something we've always done or you think it would be good because you've got this idea or this assumption I think mm. it's good to test it so yeah great yeah so okay so you you put your your, your, your project proposal in accepted so, so tell us how that kind of went at the beginning did you absolutely stick to the thing you thought you were going to do did it change it changed absolutely loads because mm-hmm. I didn't didn't start off as a, a feedback kind of 
research project, I was looking to target setting and reflective practice um, because we'd had an Ofsted report in 2019 which had identified that target setting was a weak area for us and our targets weren't very challenging and inspiring. So I wanted to work on ways of improving those and getting the learner more involved in their own targets by encouraging reflective practice, which is also something I noticed that the um, our learners weren't really doing very much. It's quite difficult when you're in a prison to sort of admit that you've got weaknesses or yeah. um, you don't want to make mistakes. You want them. So to improve that, I was hoping to get lots of reflective practice in and feed that into target setting, but it didn't end up that way at all. Right. Okay. Which is actually quite a common story, isn't mm-hmm. it? So go on, tell us um, next steps then. So kind of what did you, what did you actually do? What did you carry out or conduct? So we wanted to um, do lots of different reflective things. So exit slips, brain dumps, lots of things in lessons that will get um, the learners thinking about what they learned. But because of COVID, we weren't having any lessons. So um, our teaching was involving going up to prison cell doors and knocking on the door, looking through a little window and posting a workbook through, or they'd post one out, we'd go and mark it and bring it back. So those kind of conversations that you really need to do face-to-face were, were much more challenging. Mm. Um, so I was, we were still trying to give exit slips out, but we weren't getting much back because either the men didn't really understand why they were doing this and it was much harder to explain the relevance to them so we carried on with that we were still getting some bits back um but then we tried a different tack of using in-cell telephones we're quite lucky at H&P Liverpool that the the prisoners do all have a phone in their cell which we can go to a room and we can ring them directly so we did telephone interviews instead um to find out about if they could remember what they'd learned, what they thought about what they learned, what they wanted to work on next, and try and get those sort of reflections in that way. Mm. And and how did that go then? How um... we got some quite interesting results in that we found that our learners found it very difficult to either remember what they learned. Some were found it quite difficult to know what course they were on. So I'd ask what. So you're doing English, what level are you doing? So that I'd hear them go off and get the book and like, look at the book, oh, I'm on level one. Um, and they might be able to remember some bits about what they learned, but not in very much detail. And then when I came to ask about, well, what do you what, what target do you want to work on next? I'd get responses like, I don't know, ask my tutor, or I want to do plastering. It wasn't like detailed within the objectives that they were learning and leading on from that. I'd expected them, or I was hoping them for them to say things like, oh, well, I, I didn't really understand Connor, so I'd like to do a bit more on that. But I didn't really get any responses. So that worried me a bit at that stage. So I thought we had a whole group of learners who were very passive and disengaged and learning was something that was being done to them rather than something they were actively anticipating or participating in. Which I suppose if you're just getting a book sent to you once a week and pushed under your door, it's, it's quite hard to get that going and get motivated with it it sounds it sounds I don't know a bit like they were they could think bigger picture such as I want to be a plasterer but not go for the granular level detail of you know what to do with a comma kind of thing which yeah yeah, I guess that's well that sounds like uh, familiar (laughs) 
yeah. yeah and I guess if you're not there sat next to them having that conversation and you know to point things out in their writing that as they're doing it and you're leaving it up to them to try and just sort of work it out for themselves it's yeah. It is more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. You were you were working in really quite challenging conditions. Okay, so you carried out these interviews, you gathered in effect your data, the, the, the rich sort of mm-hmm. stuff that they were telling you or not telling you, because of course the things that are unsaid are as much mm-hmm. an interest, aren't they? So what did you do with all of that information then? I, To be honest, I panicked a little bit because I thought we've got this massive group of functional skills learners who are just sitting and not really kind of get participating as much as we need to. I, th- I thought, well, I, I'd stumbled upon this massive can of worms. Um, so what we did in response to that is send further surveys out. We, we have a, a, a communication system throughout the prison. So it's like little computer screens that they can go up to. Um, and I put a survey on that for men in the general population to gauge their motivation levels in English and maths. Mm. expecting or assuming that we'd get similar things back that they weren't really didn't really want to do English didn't really want to do maths um but it was really interesting from that that the majority of responses we got were things like I want to learn to better myself I want to improve I didn't do this at school school, so I want to do it now Mm. um from that we had a a, we knew that there was a, a large proportion of prisoners who really wanted to to learn and and improve themselves but they just weren't in our bunch that we were teaching English and maths to at the at that moment. So that led on to that question is like, well, they want to learn, but do they want to learn what we're teaching them? Right. Ah, so that's where, you yeah. know, where your focus or your title then then took off from that point then. Okay. Yeah. So where did it go then? What happened next? So that raised lots of questions about motivation levels and what we can do to improve engagement. So starting off the research as something that was looking at target setting just morphed into actually we're going to look at engagement levels and how we can improve that instead. Um, So it kind of took two strands. So one was looking at the in-cell learning and prisoners had actually benefited from that. So whilst we did have this large cohort of um, demotivated learners, by looking at some case studies of the, the work that had come through, there were snippets of um, or pockets of men who were actually engaging in that process quite well. So they'd have really interesting conversations kind of through the book. They'd write questions and sort of annotate, oh, I've got this bit, but I didn't really understand that bit. And then they go, oh, I get it now. And it was looking at those that, that we could see that actually in cell learning was benefiting some men more than we thought because it's something we've learners have always asked of us because there's some learners who don't want to come to class and they want to do education but they don't want to come to that that group because they've had mm-hmm. bad experiences at school and um and we never really had anything for them because we'd always had this kind of thing well we've always done it this way um because do find that it's interesting teaching in a prison because you've got um kind of your teaching profession which is quite creative and adaptive and then you've got the the prison side of it which is very regimented and routine based for very necessary reasons and it has to be like that but it's quite when you've got this idea of change or can we do things differently it's quite often difficult to to get that going Um, that's so interesting so covid in this case that that forced through a change that you've been able to actually 
make the most of. Yeah, so th- those kind of things that well, we can't do in our learning, we- we've never done it that way, we-, we can't do it. Well, when we've had to do it, we, we could do it. Mm-hmm. And whilst it didn't benefit every learner, there was definitely a-, a large proportion that really had that chance to make their mistakes on their own and just communicate with their tutor and no one else and really benefited from that experience. So that was another part of the survey we put in when, when we do go back to classroom. Do you want to go back to classes or do you want to just stay doing your work in your cell or do you want to do a little bit of both? Again, assume that they'd all be desperate to get back to class and get out and see everyone and, and get back to, to be more active in the class. But we actually found that two thirds of learners either wanted just in cell or they wanted a mixture of both. So that oh. desire to get back in the classroom mm. okay. wasn't as high as we thought. So that's enabled us to have evidence that we can carry on doing this blended approach. So whilst some prisons are going back to just full faith, um, full classroom sessions and stopping the blended learning or the, the working in cell, we've actually got the evidence now at Liverpool to say it actually benefits a, a large proportion of our learners. So we're going to keep the two. Okay. And how, how many... Um... Uh, how many people participants if you like did you have then how many people were um sharing information with you either you know directly in on a phone interview or in the surveys you know was it a big population of people or just a sample it was I don't actually have that information to hand actually. No. <laughs> um, just an estimate. I'm just I was trying to scale it you know was it 10 people there, or 100 people or you know there were about 35 phone interviews I think wow. 35 okay. to 40 ish right. I think that's a lot that. Of, that is a lot a lot of data that plus the surveys that's a lot of material yeah, yeah. and the surveys would have been much more than that yeah. so you're probably okay. looking about um I think there were about 60 responses back yeah, yeah. um that's a about big that. it's not exact yeah yeah so that is that is big for a small project in a way it makes it kind of not a small project so once you'd got all that how did you kind of go about analyzing it or drawing out information what was that what was that process so I got all the telephone responses together and then just did a spreadsheet of exactly what they said so I had it all in front of me and then I could draw out themes so I could uh-huh. see if so if I was asking them about what their next target would be um if they if it was something like don't know or words to that effect I could yeah. group that in a group okay. um and so I could just sort of pinpoint um yeah major themes and then get some sort of um percentages as well to see yeah Okay, so so in effect, a kind of thematic analysis is what mm-hmm. you, what you what you went for. Um, okay, then. So what 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 went in your final report? What um, were the kind of decisions or recommendations or actions going forward that emerged from all of this? So the recommendations were to keep the blended learning. So keep the option of classroom if that's what the learner needs, or mixture of the two, or just working cell so we've got that running at the moment um which is really good and also to explore links with um vocational training uh, to increase engagement levels we've always had um a policy in the prison where if a learner hadn't reached le- level one in either english or maths 
then they weren't allowed to then go on and do a vocational course. So it, English and maths tends, ended up being this thing that you had to yeah. get out of the way and do. Gateway, gateway, yeah. yeah, yeah. Before you could do the thing that you really wanted to do. Um, so we're exploring ways now of teaching English alongside um, vocational courses. So right. that's actually formed part of my OTLA 8 project. Ah, so you're on yeah, another one now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there was a big change, then. So we've gone from mm-hmm. a, a, a one-size-fits-all, or assumed to, but actually it didn't, to a variety of different um, ways of learning and a real significant change for the vocational sort of programme there. It's quite big. Yeah. 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 Really. Um, so, so you've gone on to OTL8, which is this the current year in which we're having this conversation. So what's your focus now then? So we are trialling various English activities within the vocational workshops. So we've got them going in joinery um, and we've got them planned for staff mess. So the catering course um, and it will also be starting industrial cleaning. So those activities are based on the work that they do already. So we take words from their workbooks that they that support the, the workshop work. Um, and use those to explore spelling strategies and then use things like risk assessments for reading skills um, and instructions and playing around with things that they would use in their for their work so they can see the relevance of it rather than seeing English as this separate thing it's something that weaves into what they're going to need to do for their vocational skill okay so all of this sounds like really impactful high high impact stuff are you um supported with your research and inquiry um outside of OTLA you know in the workplace are there other people engaged in projects how how does that work there aren't any other projects going on um but the education department within the prison and the prison itself is very supportive of what we're doing as part of the project and it's been really good as well to get the English department the vocational department more linked because we're very Mm. separated at the moment especially physically the um so it's great to have those connections um and we're really lucky that um HMP Liverpool is really supportive of the research and if they can see the benefit of it, they're happy to make those changes at the moment, which is really good to see. It's really good. So um, I think the question I was going to ask before, and I, and I forgot to ask, um, when you were you know, working your way through the project, were there particular things that you were reading that were uh, giving you a particular understanding of what you were seeing? To be honest, I didn't do a lot of reading. Um, I was exposed to Jean McNiff's book, Oh, about um, action research. Yeah. Okay. Um, which really helped to uh, sort of illuminate why we do it mm. uh, and the purpose of, of action research. But if I'm completely honest, I was more just getting stuck in and yeah. seeing the effects of what I was doing and analysing that. Yeah, so a real practice focus. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so okay, so you'll go through this year and discover amazing things, I'm sure, <laughs> and change the lives of people uh, with the vocational English mix that you're offering. But then what next for Esther Kelly? If you've got this um, bug now, you've caught the bug for research, I- I'm assuming you can't keep going on and on and on with OTLA. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll keep you forever. What would be next? <laughs> what would be next for you? Um, I would like to carry on and look into doing a master's 
yeah. in the with some project that would extend this um, and see if I can combine that with with teaching. So I, I'm kind of thinking that I've, if I've done it a couple of times, then it should feel more natural. It won't be something completely new to me when I yeah. start it. I'm sure, um, yeah, I'm sure it's a, a great preparation. What would be your message then for anybody thinking of taking their first steps into practitioner research? Definitely give it a go. I found it a really empowering experience. So to be able to, I mean, when I first started, I thought I was going to come up with this amazing new discovery that would change the world of teaching and um had all these grand visions and about a couple of months in I kind of had that realization that actually no that's really not going to happen um and it was a bit of a yeah it was a realization that it's going to be much smaller scale but that's actually all right and what I've done has benefited our learners and it's really benefited me um it's not just research skills that you get you get loads of connections um so you meet loads of different people doing these sorts of projects so if anything comes up and I think oh I need someone who might know about ESOL for for maths I I know someone I could go to about that now which I wouldn't have known before Mm. um and just being able to like lead a project and project manager the the amount of skills I've got in addition to the research has been yeah really useful so there's all that um other side of it isn't there and it is slightly intangible oh you're the English expert Mm. what's the word untangible intangible Intangible. Uh, yeah um where it's not just like you said what what you're learning about your actual subject but it's all that um I don't know whether we might even call it cultural capital but you're making all those connections all those people now Mm. those experts that you can connect with so yeah it's a wider range of benefits isn't it then to uh, practitioner research right well look I I won't um I won't keep you I think you've you've told us absolutely (laughs) loads there and it's uh, really inspiring it's great to hear a voice from um the prison education system um and I think you know there's lots there that people could learn from and people can read about your project aren't they we should say that I know we it, we call yeah. it gets called the rainbow book, but I don't know whether it does it say that on the cover. It does I don't know. say that on no, the cover. No, um, it's called the Anthology of Practitioner Action Research Reports. Yeah, twenty okay. to twenty one. So not as exciting as the rainbow book. No, it was just I think um, a nickname, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And that is can be found on the ETF website, can't it? Yeah, yeah. So people and, can read your report in there. Yeah. And also on the Claire Collins website, CC Pathways. Right. If you okay. wanted to look at all the appendices and all the case studies, you get a more detailed version there as well. Ah, right. Okay. All mm-hmm. oh, right. Oh, that's top tips then. Right. That's yeah. great. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, no doubt I'll see you in another group somewhere. <laughs> okay. well, thank you. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the FE Research Podcast, a Sheep Hill Studio production. Thanks for listening and we hope you can join us again soon.